Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is time to stop reading other people's success stories and really start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by their success because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals through their planning. Now, remember this is their planning that we're talking about. You have to realize that they are different from you. And that's the only way you're going to be successful. My interviews provide the consumer and business owner, which is you, access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. My next guest is Michael Schultzen, the Schultzen Collector. That's what we're going to talk about today. It's a restaurant empire that is built in his vision and has made him one of Philadelphia's most successful hospitality professionals. We also discussed COVID-19. When you're in the restaurant business, you have to bring up that whole thing. But most importantly, we want to talk about how he's made these business adjustments because you hear about it on the news. You hear about how the you know uh, social distancing, limiting, sometimes even shutting down service in the restaurant business has been overtly affected by COVID-19. But more importantly, during this period of COVID-19, where everybody in the world, including me, was gaining weight, Michael decided it was time to lose 35 pounds. So we're going to learn about that. And he did it in less than three months. So please welcome to Michael Money Making Conversations, my good friend, Michael Schultzen. How you doing, Michael? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. How you doing? Well, you know, uh, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big restaurant guy. I, really, let me get personal a little bit about COVID nineteen and uh, my wife. I have a wife and I have a, a lovely daughter who's wrapping up her, co- her college years. And you know, at least once or twice a week, we will always go to one of our favorite restaurants. And COVID hit, and uh, it just. I'd like the world, it flipped us all and gave us a new approach to the whole business acumen. In fact, my wife still will not go to an outdoor restaurant and she still, you know, we can do takeaway, takeouts and curbside, but she will not go in a restaurant. And with that, I just want to open up the whole journey of being shut down. If you can share with us the shock of how COVID-19 and how you kind of built your way out of it and started re, I guess, I guess, Reassessing a new way of doing business moving forward with your Schultz Collective Empire. Yeah. So, so when we first heard about it, we, the thought process was like, OK, we're going to have two, three weeks of something. We'll be shut down um, and then we'll go from there and see mm-hmm. how it goes. And um, unfortunately, um, three weeks has turned into to over a year now. Right. Um, so we're, we're every day is kind of a new lesson and what we're going to do. And, and we're, we're big into setting goals for ourselves here as a company. Um, the first goal was to make sure to just take care of everyone to be safe and set up systems where mm-hmm. people felt comfortable, whether it was coming to work, um, whether they didn't have food and they needed food, whatever our resources were is to take care of the employees. And that was kind of the beginning. And as we kind of progressed through the process, it was okay. Um, we kind of see this as it's not going to be a money making thing. Right. Unfortunately, it's about survival and getting to the other side. And we kind of put in some goals for ourselves of what does it look like for us when we get to the other side? And, uh, the, the biggest goal that we put in there was to have the best people that we could possibly have working for us. And that has kind of been our, our whole theme during this. We've hired some new people. We've hired some better people. Um, the good thing about this, unfortunately, is Unemployment, you think about what the unemployment rate was going into this. Right. And now what it is on the other side of it. And if we could hire good people to come out of this, 
we're going to be a better company at the end than when we were when we started. And that's kind of what our goal has been. It really is because, you know, there are lots of, I'm not trying to get any financials or anything like that. It's just talking about the attitude and the approach to this, because when I invite people on money-making conversation, I just want other people to know that other people, whether they're successful or they're small individual entrepreneurs, they were impacted by COVID-19. And we all have different stories and how we were impacted also affects how we can be successful. Now, from a personal standpoint, can you walk us through those steps, how you and your and your immediate family was dealing with COVID-19 before you yeah, go back yeah. to the Look, business first, side? First, it was, I mean, our immediate family when we were in knee deep in this, it was 1,500 employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're down to about, we're back up to about 500 now. And our mm-hmm. goal is to get to 1,500 again. Right. Um, so it was to protect everybody and make everyone feel safe. And at the beginning of this, we were... Um, opening up a couple of the restaurants and giving away food to the staff for free. So this way they could take it home and give it to their families and mm-hmm. feed their families. So that was the first step of trying to make sure everyone has a place to go and place to eat. Um, and then as we got through this, it was with our family. It was, we have two boys, uh, 14 years old and 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was making sure that they felt comfortable and, and we were being safe and wearing your mask and understanding the importance of this and getting out to the other side and, not becoming computer zombies and, and dealing with electronics every day. And it was entertaining them and, and keeping busy and doing our thing together as a family. And uh, we made a lot of bread. We made a lot of pizza. It was kind of things that would take us a long time. I mean, I think bread was that thing that's like bread could be a three-day process between the starter, letting it rest and letting it rise and breaking it down and baking it. Uh, so it kept us busy. But but after a while, we said, like, what are we doing here? Are we just going to get into this rut of figuring it out or are we going to have a purpose? Right. And I'm definitely a person about purpose. Mm-hmm. Usually it's let's open a restaurant. This is our goal. Uh, let's get it going. We're going to open the next one. So you can't unfortunately do that during this time. So the purpose shifted to the family It shifted to myself of I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to take care of myself. Um, and we're going to work together as a family to make sure that we're playing some board games, doing puzzles and all that stuff to entertain ourselves and not get caught up in uh, depression and electronics. I, I would tell you this, Michael, um, you know, when it when I like you and like all of America, when COVID-19 hit and it's not going anywhere, it's going to change the way we, we ha- handle our hygiene publicly and privately moving forward. I know I would always approach things differently. I don't think I, I would. Hug strangers like I used to, or uh, uh, come close to people that I don't know. Even people I do know, I'll be cautious in my behavior. But as a leader, you know, we all look for guidance. We all, and you're a leader. You're a leader of a successful collective that's based out of restaurant collective that's based out of Philadelphia, and we, you're one of those, uh, one of those uh, proud childs. You know, that's out there a success story, I should say. How did that really affect you emotionally when you say, did you get into a uh, or why me? Why now? Or are you just? No, look, I'm never that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a pity guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody wants to to be that pity guy. Nobody wants to be around that pity guy. Nobody pity doesn't get you success. Right. Uh, fighting through it, and I think one of the, the greatest quotes I forgot who it was um, said, "The best thing that you could do during adversity is the right thing. Mm-hmm. The second best thing that you could do is the wrong thing." And the worst thing that you could do is nothing. And and I think that was kind of our message to to live by of let's try and do the right thing. If it's the wrong thing, then we'll readjust and do something else. But we're not going to sit around, do nothing and have a pity party 
and just sit here and go, life stinks. Um, we're all dealing with it. It was the reality of the situation. COVID is terrible. It's not fun. Right. Nobody's having fun. Mm-hmm. It's a nightmare. But mm-hmm. how do you adjust your life to survive? Not just to survive, but you kind of have to try and thrive through it. And uh, my wife and I, we like to travel a lot and we like to ski and do things with the kids and be outside and take trips and all that stuff. And <laughs> what have we done? Like, I'm not a camping guy, but we started to go to Airbnbs and go camping upstate New York. And we stayed in a yurt for the first time in my life, which I never <laughs> thought I would do. We stayed on a farm, which I never thought I would do. Uh-huh. But to do these things and just figure out how to live your life. I mean, we just drove to Vermont. The longest car ride I ever did in my life was three hours. Right. We just drove eight hours with two kids in the back. I got a hitch on the back of my car, which I never (laughs) thought I would do. I mean, my friends are laughing at me, but you know what? You have to adjust and like get through this, not just survive and have a pity party. And I I laugh because, you know, I was an old school road comic when I was out, when I left IBM to pursue, uh, left IBM to be a stand-up comedian. And I was on the road. So I know about those uh, eight, ten-hour joints and then, but I didn't have two kids in the back, okay? Yeah. And uh, that's a different story. The the, the the restroom stops, you know, when you can go for four or five hours, they want to stop. They want to complain. And, uh, But I think that's what it's about. It's about, it's about persevering and getting to the other side and, um, have goals. I mean, what am I going to sit here and yell at the gut? I mean, you can't, we can't mm-hmm. sit here. Everyone wants to yell at the cities or the states or, or the federal government. Of, right. You're not doing enough. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to suggest that I disagree or agree. Mm-hmm. But what I am going to tell you is the only person who could control what you do is you. Is you. And, and that's right. kind of the goal is to get control what you could do, do the best of your ability. And, don't sit there at the end of the day going, I wish I would have. Right. Really, I'm talking to Michael Schultz and uh, uh, the Schultz and Collectives with restaurant chain, which is based out. It's a chain because he has a lot of, it's not like a Burger King because he had a lot of different restaurants. Let's talk about the, the whole creative process of doing so many yeah. different styles and not being a chain where, you know, we can go in one yeah. location and you get the same thing. Why the versatility? Why the different approaches to these different restaurants? You know, you know some people will call me an idiot for doing it. These, these <laughs> I don't. I don't. I have it figured out. Um, it's like you, you figure out the business model you like put it in a box mm-hmm. and then you do it again mm-hmm. and again mm-hmm. and again and again and it's just like right across level field and, and they nail it um the us creative people and people who have passion about what we do in terms of uh creating something that's unique and different that's why we do this we we just have this passion of, of creating an experience and we like i like to say it, it transports the customer to a different place and they feel special. And I think that that's why COVID has been so hard is people don't feel like they're being transported anymore. It doesn't right. feel like it's this unique experience. And that's what we like to do and here, here at The Collective. And I think uh, the thing that people miss often is the concept doesn't come first, the space comes first. Right. And you could look at a space and it doesn't speak to an, a pub, it doesn't speak to a French restaurant. So 
you kind of have to see the space. You look around, you see what you feel, you come up with these ideas, and then it's like, okay, then you plug away and figure out what's next. But each one has a different, uh, uh, you know, profit margin or profit and loss margin. So that's what I guess when people say, okay, how, how can you define success when, you know, you can open a steak restaurant, there's a different uh, uh, profit margin versus a, a Chinese restaurant. I'm just using an example or a, a, a Tex-Mex restaurant and all those profit margins differ. How do you balance that, Michael? Look, I think you have to take each one individually. Um, I think sometimes some of the things that, that's more challenging is the smaller the restaurant, the harder it is to, to create a larger profit margin, Yes, which people don't realize. But the other difficulty with that is in order to do a bigger restaurant, you need to raise more capital. So it's like that double-edged sword of, do I raise more capital and money that I have to pay off right. via returns, or am I raising less money? The returns are lower. So yeah, you kind of have to figure it out that way and you want to balance it. I mean, if you're nobody, I mean, people talk about it to get into politics, but people talk about like, okay, we're going to raise the the tax rates. We're going to raise minimum wage. We're going to raise all that stuff. And I, and I always say to people who, who want to get in this conversation, let's not kid ourselves. People who are in business who are operating, say, at a 10% margin, mm-hmm. if they raise taxes and they raise employment, payroll, and they raise all that stuff, we're not going to operate at 2%. <laughs> we're going to still operate at 10%, and something is going to be cut. Right. If you want to raise minimum wage to $15 an hour, like, okay, but but let's be realistic. Like, you're not going to have two employees to do that job. You're going to have one employee to do right. that job. Mm-hmm. Or the guest is going to have to pay twice as much to get that food. The, the operator or the business person or owner isn't going to let it hit their pocket totally. Now, when, I, when we talk about the whole process, because in my mind, you know, for a restaurant business like yours, because you're not a casual restaurant business, yeah. you know, and so the whole takeout or the whole curbside experience wasn't part of the business model before COVID-19. How is right. that settling into your business model now? Look, I think I think for us, our business model is there is design. Mm-hmm. There is service. Mm hmm. You have lighting, which creates this beautiful ambiance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you have music, which creates this other piece of the ambiance. Okay. And then you have food. Right. Okay. So if you take all of those pieces, those five pieces, the only one that you could put in a box is food. Right. So if you, you think about a business model of like only one fifth of the things that we do well can translate to a house and that's not even going to translate into the house as well. Right. It's a really difficult situation for us. So, I mean, it's pivoting in terms of um, what, what we put into that box, the type of box that we use. Um, but honestly, like we, we haven't made a huge push to get into that takeout delivery because I, I just think that it really destroys the brand and, as you know, it's like you, your brand is is something that you could never recreate. Well, like you know, once I, you get that negative opinion on that or that right. piece on that, you're screwed. Well, you know, it's really uh, I have to agree with you, Michael. You know, I was just so uh, my wife and I, we have a favorite restaurant, we, we Italian restaurant we go to. And of course, she doesn't want to go in a restaurant. So we did we did curbside and we I went yeah. and picked it up and. And uh, brought it home again, and for the second time in a row, it didn't taste like the experience that we had in the restaurant. And I had to tell her last night, babe, you know, when we get it, it's usually warmer 
you know, usually dealing with a nice atmosphere or yeah. they're having a conversation. There's a lot of people around. It feels, you know, like you're saying, I, I have to agree with you, Michael, because a lot of things go goes into the food experience. Sometimes people want the romance. Sometimes people want the the the, the music, the loudness, the activity. I'm, I'm an activity guy. I like I like to walk into a bustling. I like to play with the the waiter or waitress. You know, I like to have a relationship with that person, and I like to be around people who are talking. And that's lost if you yep. do a curbside. So so, but it all comes back to the food. The food did not taste like the same experience I have when I go into that restaurant. It's one of our favorite restaurants. And that's all you're saying right now, Rishon. We can do that, but something's going to be missing and you don't want to be victimized by the missing part of saying your food quality yeah. has changed or the I mean, experience you, you, you has changed. You think about it, you look at the food, it comes out on a plate. Right. You're not doing anything to it. You don't have to clean it up. You have great music. You have great lighting. You have great ambiance. You're in energy. Right. Like all of those pieces are part of the puzzle. When you take that, you have to literally get in your car, you drive to the place, you get home, you take it out, you open it up. It doesn't look as good as it looked on a plate. You have to put it on a plate. You have to get your silverware out. Your kids are yelling and screaming because they're hungry. <laughs> like something is missed. Something's not at your disposal. Right. It's just like the whole process is just lost. And by the time you eat the food, you're like, yeah, this isn't working for me. Right. And, was, and, and uh, I mean, first of all, you, you're hitting so many positive nerves with me right now because I experienced this last night, Michael. And I'm going like, I put the pepper on the pizza. I put the, the, the Parmesan. And again, it was, uh, you know, I pull up, I'm, I'm setting it up myself. So I've lost some of the ambiance because I'm doing all the work. And you know, for a fact, when you do all the work, you're going to do it in a whatever style. Whatever gets yeah. the whatever gets the job done, you're gonna do it. You've lost all standards of service for yourself, and that that's really funny because, like I said, when I when I push the idea, and I'm always talking to different people about how they're trying to be successful with their business, but you're the first person I've talked to that really hit a a, a button with me that said, Rashad, the problem you're having is that curbside work, but you lost the experience, which in turn affected how I enjoyed the food. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I say to my business partners, and I'm a chef, okay? I've, I've been cooking my whole life. I went to culinary school. Mm -hmm. I worked in, in restaurants, some of the top restaurants in America. Mm -hmm. I worked in Japan, blah, 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 okay? There's three elements to a restaurant, okay? There's food, there's service, and there's design. Right. Okay? I'm going to ask you this question. I'm a chef. What's the most important piece in my mind? Food to me. No. Design. Okay. What's the second most important? In my mind, I'm a chef. Okay. Well, when, when you say design... Service. service. And I'm going to tell you, food is third, and I'm going to tell you why. You okay. walk into so a restaurant... So it's design, service, then food. Okay. Design, service, food, in that okay. order. Okay. You walk into a restaurant, it's the most beautiful restaurant in the world. Right. It's fun. There's, like, great people in there. You're having a great time. It's energetic. The hospitality is off the charts. You're right. like, oh my God, like I'm playing with this server. This server was awesome. I'm having such a great time. I'm smiling. You right. get the food. You're with your friends. You're like, it's okay. Right. It's okay. You walk out. You're like, wow, I had a great time. That right. place was good looking. It was fun. It was awesome. Okay. Are you going back? Wow. You know. You're going back. I'm you're going totally back. going back to I'm that going, place. Well, well, this is where I'm caught up right now, Michael, because you hit me in the jaw right now because I lost. The, the 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 design and I lost the service when I did curbside yeah. and 
And guess what? I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go back and have that experience because I don't know. So, so it's left a bad taste in my mouth because it's happened two times in a row. So, so you're fighting for that. Has it been successful for you? Look, it's nothing is successful right now. I mean, to me, the definition of success is survival and getting to the other side. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not. I mean, our food isn't doesn't translate into takeout. Most right. of our restaurants. I mean, the only one that we have that really works for takeout that people get takeout of is sushi. I mean, if you think about takeout, it's like we want some pizza, we want some sushi, we want some burgers. <laughs> right. we, like some if you chicken. have a fine dining Italian restaurant, mm-hmm. you're never going to compete with the local Italian place that does chicken farm for twelve dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, why why try and compete with them? Like, you're, it's just going to lo- it's a losing model. Right. So, you know, when you talk about ambience, you talk about the experience, you talk about servers, your your time you spend in Japan. Talk to us about that, because it seems like it shaped a lot of your values. So so for me, living in Japan was just the most amazing experience. I worked at uh, Spago over there in the Four Seasons, and it wasn't necessarily about uh, working in those restaurants. To, to me, it was about understanding the culture. Right. And once you understand culture of what something is, you could create something here in the States that that feels authentic. And, and I think that's what people are really looking for in today's society. They want something that feels authentic um, and not like it's contrived or made up or or just or Disney World or something. They want it to feel authentic. Um, and that's probably what we do really well and, and I think is really important to us as a business. Well, it, it works for me. Now, the, before we got on air, I, I brought up the fact that, uh, you know, doing COVID hit, you know, I'm at the house and my wife is asking me what I want for breakfast, what I want for lunch. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a kind of a one and a half meal a day guy. So finally, I was eating a breakfast and then a lunch yeah. and a dinner. And all of a sudden, I realized I was gaining weight. <laughs> yeah. And I went, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We got to cut out one of these meals. So I got rid of the, because usually what I do, Michael, I get up, I get up at four o'clock, Monday through Friday, get up at four o'clock. And so usually I eat about, about 10 or 11 o'clock. And she had me eating about eight o'clock in the morning. And then she came back with another meal about noontime. And then she wrapped up the, the third meal about six o'clock. Now, did I, I switched the story because here you are about to embarrass me. Because instead of gaining weight, you lost 35 pounds in three months during the COVID, during this COVID timeline. Let's talk about what made you do that and what was the motivation? Did you gain weight and you said, whoa, 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 I'm going to lose weight? What was the motivation? Yeah, so so for me, it's we do restaurants and we're opening a lot of restaurants. And, mm-hmm. and in restaurants, you're obviously tasting tons of food every day. Right. So when I'm able to eliminate the tasting of food, that was just a huge starter for me. The other piece is... Pre-COVID, I mean, we had we had 14 restaurants. We were looking to open more. We were we were burning it all hours of the day, and finding time to go to the gym was just a nightmare. Right. Um, so I started to eat well. I ate the right foods. I stopped the tastings. I started to exercise more, um, and it was figuring out. I mean, everyone has these diets that are like they're literally like this. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, I'm going to do this juice in the morning, and I'm going to starve myself, and then I'm going to eat at night. Like everyone has something. For me, it was finding something where it's just like eating well, eating at the right times and exercising. And, and the key, key thing in there is the exercising. As long as you're exercising and uh, I'm not a big runner, I don't enjoy running. I find it exhausting. So I would literally do a mile on the treadmill in the morning and then I would do a mile on the treadmill at night. I put some weights in there mm-hmm. and I was good to go. 
So, Wait, so you, you you work out like me. That's me. Now I always the, 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 somehow my show has become a, a nice haven for to talk to chefs. So the Rocco comes on my show, uh, Donatella comes on my show, and just to name a few, uh, Samuelson comes on my show, and now you on my show. When I hear the word "eat well," see, I, I need you to define to me what does that mean when you say eating well. Eating well to me is clean. I think it's it's for breakfast. I, I think it's. Eating some yogurt, some berries. Period. End of end of conversation. Having a coffee and not putting creamer in there and mm-hmm. sugars in there. Like I put a little non dairy creamer in there. Fine. For lunch, it's like have a nice salad. Maybe you're cheating on some dressing. Have a grilled piece of chicken. Have some grilled shrimp. Doing whatever you want. Dinner time. Have a normal meal. Right. Have a normal meal. Have some carbohydrates. Have some vegetables. Have some fruits. But to me, eating well is like. You're eating a little cleaner. You're not depriving yourself. Your portion size is normal, meaning like you're not having 16 ounces of steak. You're having six to eight and you're not eating past eight o'clock. Like depends on what time you go to bed, but like seven or eight o'clock should be it. Yes. Like if you're done at seven, eight o'clock, give up the bag of potato chips, give up the sweets, give up the sugars. Like I guarantee you, you will lose weight. Well, you know, I I, I naturally drink a lot of water. I know we're not getting into it. I know you're not a diet expert, Michael, but, you know, we're talking about losing weight. So 35, I'm going to tell you something, something, Mike, 35 pounds in three months, you kind of, you kind of level it into a diet expert range. And you like to say what? And I drink water naturally, but I'm a big dessert guy. I, I eat my dessert before my meals. It stuns people. I go to a restaurant. If I come to a restaurant, I say, excuse me, can you give me the dessert menu before I start ordering my meal? I'm that guy. I'm that guy. And so so a person like me who enjoys desserts, what does that play out in your menu world, in your restaurant world? Am, am I going to come to your restaurant, Michael, and be like, man, he got the dessert for me? Or are you more you, of an entree you guy? Gotta, you, you can't. This is the problem with all diets, okay? right? Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to go on this extreme diet. Like right. you can't stop eating. Like if they give you a chocolate, I mean, you, you go to these restaurants, these uh-huh. chocolate cakes and half these restaurants are enough for three people mm-hmm. and people are eating the whole cake. So it's like, eat the cake. Just, just have a piece of it. Right. Have a piece of the cake every day. Have a piece of chocolate. Like chocolate's good for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Chocolate's not bad for you. Berries are not bad for you. Some real ice cream is not bad for you. Have it, but you don't need a pint of ice cream, a cake, like a box of cookies, and a bag of Doritos. Yeah, like it just, that's not what you need. Right, right. But I am a guy that I will tell you, Mike. I am a guy, and you know, I, I think I've accidentally uh, eaten correctly because I'm a guy. I, I order three different things, but I won't complete the meal. Yeah. So I'm, I call myself a sampler. You know, I would sample this dessert, or I sample that that uh, that appetizer. And I sample that meal, you know, but I'm a big bread guy. I love bread to death. I, I, I bread, any type of cornbread. I love that. I, I love veggies. But these are things, like I said, I just accidentally eat, which I guess in a way uh, allows me to maintain a, a somewhat healthier lifestyle. But I drink a lot of water. Like you said, you held up your bottle of water. But uh, I want to transition to because you do a lot of uh, uh, you've, you've hosted several competitions and these, and I'm a big fan of competition shows, Michael. Yep. And so, but there's always some, uh, uh, a winner and a loser, winner and loser. How do you handle that in the judging process? Cause you know, the decision that you make can ultimately tell somebody to walk away for walk off the show. Listen, I teach my kids at a young age, like as lo- like work your ass off, practice, try hard. And like, right. 
if you're good enough, you're going to win. And if there's somebody better than you, they're going to lose. And when you're judging, it's kind of like, look, like you're either win or you lose. I mean, this whole thing with everybody gets a trophy today and right. like kids come home and you came in last place and you got a trophy, like, like it's BS. It's not teaching people to be able to lose. Right. Uh, people ask me all the time, you play games with your kids. Like, do you lose on purpose? No, I'm not going to lose on purpose. Like, why would I do that? You need mm-hmm. to teach them like mm-hmm. practice, practice, practice right, right, right. And like when you do all of those things you'll figure it out and it's the same thing with cooking it's like there are going to be people who are better than me at cooking and you may lose but it is what it is and and look one of the biggest one of the questions that i always ask is right. uh, in interviews it has to do with that is what do you not allow in your life is it harder for you is it which is true for you i hate to lose mm-hmm. or i love to win and for me, the answer is, I hate to lose. Lo- losing is just mm-hmm. not an answer. Like, I expect right. to win. So winning, when I win, it's like, okay, let me get up again and play again. Let me play again. But when I lose, I'm furious. Right. And, and I think that's kind of just the mentality of people. Cool. Before we go, I want to talk about new, You have a new restaurant concept opening in Philadelphia called Midtown Village. Tell us about that. And, uh, and why now? Yeah, so we're uh, so, so it's interesting. And you spoke about what happens during COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of restaurants that are going out of business. I mm-hmm. think our business model used to be take a space and build out a restaurant. It would mm-hmm. cost us a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a square foot to build it out. Mm-hmm. Now our business model has shifted. Right. We could take restaurants that have closed, and we could mm-hmm. spend three hundred to five hundred a square foot on some really good opportunities because COVID's going to be over. Right. We're going to get to the other side. Right. So here are some opportunities that we have, and. One of them is it's in an area called Midtown Village. It's going to be a uh, the name isn't known yet. We're not sure of the name, but it's right. going to be a, uh, a boutique pizza place, brick oven pizza with some uh, lots of seasonal vegetables, seasonal pastas, and stuff like that. So it's, it's more casual dining. Yeah, definitely more casual. Okay, yeah. cool. I think okay, that cool. that's kind of where people are going right now in mm-hmm. terms of the COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking to do any fancy high end restaurants right, right now, but if you could get some casual places in now, like. I think we're good. Cool. Hey, Michael, thank you, man, for coming on Money Making Conversations. I hope you come back. Uh, for Thanks, skinnier. Man. I don't know if I want you coming back skinnier, though, Mike. 35 uh, pounds. Can we stay there? Uh, I appreciate you, man. Uh, enjoy yourself. Fun. And uh, definitely tell them to send some. Uh, I come to Philadelphia a lot because I represent Stephen A. Smith. So we always in that area, the New Jersey, New York area. And I'd love to drop by. So if I don't yeah, mind, give you uh, a heads up. Okay? Reach out. Okay. Appreciate you, Michael. Stay strong. Michael Schulten of the uh, Schulten Collective, based in Philadelphia. Got a new property developing in the Midtown Village area. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. Thank you.